Welcome to Voice of the Generation, the number one podcast for culture shifters. I am Imani Christine, and joined with me today, I have <laughs> Melody. So, who are you? Who am I? Wow. So, I am a creative. A creative who is inspired by not only my generation, but the generation to come. Um, I'm a wife. I am a mom. And I am a business owner. And I'm happy to be here today. So I picked you today because you own Delaware's leading dance studio. Um, but you're also doing some awesome things, not just within the dance community, but outside of the community in general, giving your students business opportunities. Um, you were creating a whole university for your students to learn about the art of dance, but also how to be a teacher, which not many people are doing. They just kind of let their students go and then that's it. But you're creating a system for them to come back. Yes. <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> so um, can you talk about that? Why did you do that? So with the Movement University, I realized that we needed to create a pathway like past them graduating high school. So we want our program not to just open the door for success while they're in school, but to create a lifetime of success. We don't want any of our graduates or any students that came through our program to be without jobs. And it's important that like, you know, my generation and everyone that's in the working field right now, we have to be able to pass down the knowledge. We have to understand that we're not going to be here forever, but it's the goal for our businesses to be around for forever. So we have to, to teach the game and continue to pass it on. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose dance? I'm sure you're like, um, you're creative, so you're a multifaceted um, learner and executor. Why did you choose dance? <laughs> I don't think I chose dance. I believe dance chose me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so uh, when my mom was carrying me, she's a musician. My dad's not really into the arts, but <laughs> my mom, she's a musician. And when she was carrying me, she would be playing the organ. And anytime she played the organ in church, I would be like flipping around in her <laughs> womb. And so I think that she noticed that at an early age, well, I wasn't even born, but she noticed <laughs> that while she was carrying me, like, this child is connected to music. I don't know how she's going to, like, mm -hmm. flourish in this art, but I know that she's going to have something to do with music. So as I got older, um, anytime music would be playing, I would just be moving around, moving <laughs> around, moving around. And so when I was about... Two, my mom tried to sign me up for dance classes and they were like, she's too young. Um, she needs to be able to be like going to school, school age. And so she waited another year. I was supposed to be four, but she was like, she's turning four. So I got in and I started dance and I haven't like turned away. What is this? Like, I'm not going to put my age out there, but... <laughs> Uh, two decades and some change later, here I am still involved within the arts. It's been a lifetime commitment, um, but I don't remember my life without dance. As far as I can remember, there's been dance, and I don't see my life ever being without dance, mm -hmm. God willing. What, how did dance make you successful? 
I believe dance made me successful because it taught me some of the key aspects that you need in life. So, like, with number one being discipline. So, like, dance teaches you about respect. It teaches you punctuality. Like, you can't walk into a dance class, like, 15, 20 minutes late. It teaches you how to be on time. And then I feel like balancing dance, well, numerous dance classes and school, doing well in school, it taught me how to time manage and balance out, like, what's important. Um, I remember growing up in middle school, I had, like, a really bad marking period. Like, I got straight D's and, like, all, girl, yes, (laughs) in all of, like, the the important subjects like math and English and it was like something dumb like gym or something but my mom pulled me out of dance for a whole marking period and I was like real real live depressed wow. and not right and so it was but I remember she was like you have to get yourself together Mm-hmm. You have to understand, like, it's not all about dance. You still have to get your education. And so that lesson taught me how to get myself together, how to be able to balance the two. So it was okay that she pulled me out. But once I learned the lesson, she put me back in and I was able to recover from that. <laughs> <laughs> so you said something that just stood out to me. You said um, she wanted you to understand that dance was an outlet that you could use, but she also wanted you to understand that your education was important. Did you continue your education post high school? Yes, I went to college. I went to Delaware State University and I ended up studying special education. Why did you choose special education? I chose special education because I grew up with a cousin with autism and I saw I have an older brother and I have a cousin, but they're both like my brothers. And I saw the difference in someone who has autism and someone who doesn't. And I saw how the experience in life is just different. Um, And so it made me want to be a part of making their education experience a better experience. It made me want to, uh, you know, just have a positive impact. I was connected with somebody with autism and who knows, I may be connected with more people later on down the road. But it's important that, you know, people or students with special needs have the same support as those that don't. It's important that they have educational experiences that set them up for success. Now, one of your um, business's core values is community. And so how do you take the knowledge that you gained from college um, with special needs and apply it to the arts world to create a good foundation for learners that learn differently? So I believe... Everybody learns differently. Mm-hmm. Not even if you're diagnosed with some type of learning disability, if you have an IEP 504, everybody learns differently. And so what I try to do within the dance studio is create a norm where we have a classroom structure, but it's catered to the the learning needs of everyone. So... Mm-hmm. Our lesson may shift because we see someone struggling in a specific area or we see someone 
not necessarily responding to demonstration. Like, I'm not a visual learner. I'm a more hands-on. So we completely change what we're going to do for the day. So I feel like if you allow the the class or the lesson to be student-led, then you're able to cater to all of the learning needs of everyone within the classroom. So there's a conversation on STEM versus STEAM. So STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. And STEAM is the same thing, just adding arts into it to like foster that curiosity in the classroom. How? What's your advice for teachers? Um, how should they like build partnerships with outside organizations um, to really get their students to be curious and big dreamers? I believe that the arts is essential because it's the glue to connecting the knowledge. Um, so I have a 16-month-old, and he's learning his letter sounds. And so we're not just teaching him A makes the letter sound, ah, ah, B makes the letter sound, buh, buh. We're actually using the Gracie's Corner song <laughs> that sings it. And I believe he's not grasping it just because of repetition, mm -hmm. but he's grasping it because he knows the song. So I feel like if we create a learning environment that collaborates, like not only with the, the arts programs within the community, but taking a song that the kids hear on the radio and connecting it to the principles that are being learned in school, it'll be able to stick. Mm -hmm. Especially when they feel like their learning is incorporating with things that they like. If we create movement to the principles that we're learning in school, if we are creating a poem or a rap to like the melody that they've heard before, they're going to be able to retain it better. It's going to stick rather than just teaching them from a smart board or writing it down, if they're able to connect it to their prior knowledge, it's going to connect all together. Mm -hmm. So you talk about how like art is like bridging the gap for all types of learners. How you named your business melodic movements. And I really do feel like you, your dance studio was a movement, right? And so how does your classroom setting allow everybody in the classroom to have some form of leadership, but also foster their creativity? I believe that as teachers, it's not just us coming in and teaching them. I believe that we're also learning from the children. Mm -hmm. um, they, we're, we're being able to pour into them our knowledge, but they're also a gift to us because they've experiences, their experiences are different from our experiences. And when we all come together, hey, we're doing something there. Mm -hmm. But we allow our dancers to have opportunities to serve as choreographers. We provide opportunities for them to serve as leaders, whether it's just warming up the group, whether it's taking on the responsibility of teaching past choreography or just partnering up together to create a masterpiece is what we call it. Um, the more that we do that, that's how we build the confidence. Mm -hmm. The more that we do that is how it's really the secret formula to creating a sense of purpose and allowing them to understand, okay, this is what I'm good at. This mm -hmm. is what I like to do. And then, hey, they walk away different, a different person at mm -hmm. the end of the season. 
So you said your students can walk away a different person. And I don't think I ever told you this, but initially when you introduced praise dance, I was scared to do it because when I was in school, people would always say like the good girl or the Christian girl. And because of the negative connotation that those remarks had, I did not want to do praise dance. But what they what people don't know is that dance really did like it did it really did save my life it brought me closer Mm -hmm. and I don't think that if I had if I didn't have you I don't think that I would my relationship with God would be the way that it is now because I learned (laughs) (laughs) it's true though like we young people need to see Mm -hmm. uh, like younger people Mm -hmm. worshiping God Mm -hmm. um but also doing positive things Mm -hmm. and then really investing because you didn't just say you were going to show up for your students, but you weren't, you weren't just a talker, you were a doer. Mm -hmm. You actually showed up for your students and that shows now. Right. Mm -hmm. So what's a piece of advice that you would give to teachers now? Like how do they show up constantly for their students without exhausting themselves? Mm -hmm. I'm still learning that now, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you have to identify with your students. And what I mean that is, like, with you and with all of the the dancers coming up within the studio, I don't just look at them as one of my students. I look at them as I see myself within them. I have to see myself at that age to be able to connect with them. Because if I try to connect connect with them, like, with me as an adult to a child, then they're going to just feel like, you know, this person is looking down on me or, Mm -hmm. you know, they think that they're higher because they're older, they're an adult, they have more authority. But no, like, whether I'm teaching, like, a 5-year-old or 8-year-old or even a 16-year-old, I have to remember the the little girl that I once was and I have to remember what I felt, what I understood – the world to be as, and then you're able to be more on their level. Um, A lot of times teachers, they want to inspire, but they don't really know how to connect with them. But I feel like the key to connecting to any of your students is seeing yourself within them. Mm -hmm. It's like you knew where I was going with this conversation, but um, I wanted to bring up an important thing that creatives don't often talk about. Like you can be inspired by somebody, but how do you stay inspired by people, but not copy what they're doing? You have to understand, like I'm inspired by Debbie Allen. Mm. She is goals like her whole life, but I'm not going to make melodic movements like data because Mm. we're not called to be data. You Mm. have to, You have to tap into your calling and what's for you. And once you understand that, you'll be able to look at something and not necessarily like copy and paste, but Mm -hmm. say, hey, look, I saw that Debbie Allen is doing the hot chocolate nutcracker. So I'm not going to say melodic movements is going to do a hot chocolate nutcracker. No, it's like, look at the elements that the hot chocolate nutcracker has. They're they're showcasing black excellence in dance. They're showcasing phenomenal dance technique. They're showcasing creative costumes. And so I look at the elements and say, okay, how can I incorporate this within my business, within my company, without necessarily like taking the entire idea? You have to understand what you're called to do and what another person is called to do. And then 
figure out what that is. And you can be inspired. You can look at other people and you can take that and combine it with what you're called to do. So then it doesn't necessarily look like, oh, I'm copying or, oh, I'm doing the same thing as somebody else. No, I was inspired by you. And I feel like we also need to be honest Mm -hmm. and humble ourselves to be able to acknowledge who we're inspired by because Mm, we need that. I'm pretty sure, like, Debbie Allen's in her 70s, and I'm pretty sure it's challenging to constantly stay up in the know. The older you get, the harder it is to, like, stay up on new trends because you want to, you know, do what you've been doing, but Mm -hmm. you can't. And so I think we need to, like, celebrate those that we are inspired by more. Mm -hmm. And it takes humility because we all don't always want to do that. We just want to be like, nah, this all came (laughs) for me. But no, it Mm -hmm. didn't. We're all inspired by different individuals. And let's continue to uplift people and tell them when, you know, that was dope or keep that up. Or Mm -hmm. I was inspired by this with this program. Mm -hmm. It'll help. Wow, that's that's important. I never thought about that, how important it is to give people their flowers while yes. they can still smell them. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that you do a lot of empowerment and giving like people advice on how to start their businesses. And where did that come from? I feel like during my, like this whole decade, it's been like, uh, what's the word? Like I've had an awakening like, I know everybody's is like your 20s is when you're trying to like figure it out or navigate it. And honey, I have. And so I've been in numerous like job positions. Like as we talked about previously, I was a special education major, but I'm not directly in the special education field. I'm not a, a school teacher. I've done a lot of things where I've been able to see what I liked and what I didn't like. And what was for me and what wasn't. And so my goal is to be able to like take everything that I've learned and to pass it on to teach it to other people. Like if I can help any of the the young females growing up to help them navigate through the 20s coming up and to like eliminate going through all of those like okay, this isn't for me, I hate this, this is, like, affecting my mental health, to eliminate those moments and to replace them with more moments that I feel fulfilled, I feel like I'm living in my purpose, I'm doing exactly what I've been brought here to do, Mm -hmm. I feel like we'll just be a happier happier world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people, they are hurt Mm -hmm. and they're unhappy in their situations and they spill it out on other people. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like we need more people that's going to help and guide. Everybody doesn't have that. Everybody doesn't have a mom that's a role model. Everybody doesn't have mentors. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if we can continue to connect with the generation that's coming up and help them to not make the same mistakes that we did, that's what we're supposed to do. Why did you name your studio? Why did you say movement? Like, why didn't you say dance studio? <sighs> Because it's not a, well, I'm not going to say it's not a dance studio. It is, but it's more than a a dance studio. Um, It's a vision for not just the the current students that we have, but for anybody that's passed through our program. Um, We want everybody to not just be bomb dancers, 
but we want them to be successful in life. We want them to say, we learned how to be a better person through melodic movements. Um, I believe that melodic movements is my God-given assignment mm -hmm. to be able to share the word of God through the art of dance. I always say that we're going to be able to reach dancers through the fun dances like the hip hop, the majorette. Um, but I'm noticing more and more that children are signing up for praise dance. Mm. And it's not just like the kids that grew up in church, the kids that are already on praise dance ministries outside of the studio. It's kids that knew nothing about God prior to going to our studio. And I believe that's what the movement is about. And so, no, we don't want to just blast, like, join the movement, get saved. No. <laughs> but we want we want the Holy Spirit to move through them as they move throughout our program. Have you always been a believer in God? I've always been a believer of God. It it was it was instilled in me as long as I can remember. But it takes more than that. It takes more to just be brought up in the church. You have to understand God for yourself. And I believe that I really grew my relationship with Christ after I got hit by a car. You got hit by a car. Ah, <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. I, I got hit by a drunk driver mm. as a pedestrian. And flipped over the car and walked away with just um, a broken hand and, like, some back pain. Mm. And so it was many other people that got hit, people that had injuries far worse than I did. But I believe that that was God's way of saying, like, I'm not done with you yet. There's more work for you to do here. And Melodic Movements was formed, like, six months after that. Wow. So, yeah. So that's how I knew, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. God could have took me out of there. I was only, like, or out of here. I was only 21. And so I, that my life could have been done. It could have mm -hmm. been, been over. But God was like, no, I'm going to shake you up so you can understand that you could have been out of here. Mm -hmm. But you're going to need me in this next journey that you're about to take on. Wow, that's mm -hmm. powerful. You talk about purpose often. How did you find yours? And what is purpose? I believe that purpose is the reason why you're here on earth. Okay. I don't believe that we're just here to take up space. <laughs> I believe that when God created all of us that we were designed to do something to build his kingdom. And so, you know, that isn't stamped on our forehead at birth. So it is something that you have to seek. It is something that you have to find throughout life. But I believe that I found my purpose the first time that I taught dance. Mm. And I believe that because it just felt natural. Your purpose is something that you don't necessarily have to study or get a degree in or go to school for. It's something that just absolutely comes naturally, something that just flows. And so I remember the first dance class I taught, it just flowed. It just flowed, and I felt as if I wasn't necessarily, like, going through the, mo the movements. It was, like, God, spirit-led. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And even the things that, like, I sit my students down all the time and, like, we close out and we have, like, you know, our ending quotes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, because I believe in when children sit within your classroom environment, they should leave feeling good. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't leave defeated. They shouldn't leave like they don't want to come back. They should leave feeling uplifted. And so I remember the first time I did like a a closeout or like I spoke to the children. I didn't even feel like it was me talking. Just like the things that I needed to say came to my mind and they just flowed off my tongue. Mm. So I was like, yeah, this, this is where is I'm supposed to be. This this is what feels good. Not like teaching within the schools didn't feel good, mm-hmm. but it didn't come naturally. So whatever comes naturally to you, like you don't get like anxiety or nerves or stress. That's what your purpose is. If you mm-hmm. feel fulfilled, like your your cup is being filled by doing it, that's your purpose. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, you may not fully understand the God within it initially, but he'll show up. I think that there is power and creativity because mm-hmm. our imagination is so big and it's so broad. And sometimes we see things that seem bigger than us. How did you like tap into the power of creativity? I believe that my my parents, my grandparents, whoever like was under my care, they didn't stop my imagination. Like, I grew up and I had several imaginary friends and they would be on on the couch. I would make them dinner. And nobody ever, like, told me, oh, this makes no sense. Or what are you doing? And what's absolutely crazy is I remember one summer I had to be about maybe eight or nine. And I was at my grandmother's house and I created a summer camp. (laughs) You created summer camp. I created a summer camp at my grandmother's house. There wasn't a, a child in sight, but my imagination created a summer camp. And we we would have dance. <laughs> we would have music class. And my grandmother had a piano, and I would get on the piano and play. I have no idea how to play the piano, but we had music class. And I wrote a script, and the script was The Wiz. Really? Yes. Yes, the script was the whiz. Now, I just really wish I still had that to this day because it would just be full circle. But my grandmother not once said, what are you doing? Who are you talking to? They never, she never did that. Nobody ever like made me feel small because I was just in this imaginary land. But they, they helped to build it. Like when I would be in the car, my dad would be like, okay, where's the bus going today? Like they, they fueled my imagination and I feel like that helped my creativity. So now to this day, people ask me, did I have experience in doing what I do? No, but as a child, yeah, kind of like I thought I was doing the same thing, but that that's just my advice to any like parents. Don't ever stop a child's creativity I know a lot of little girls are not playing with the, what is it, the Barbie dolls mm-hmm. and the the baby dolls anymore. But that's a key component of creativity. Mm-hmm. They get to create their own world. They get to create their own lives. Um, I also was a big player of The Sims. Really? <laughs> And I loved it because it taught you how to build a house, how to, like, Mm -hmm. spend money. And these are the things that children need to know. These Mm -hmm. are the things that children need to learn. But the more you fuel 
a child's imagination is the better the the better creative they'll be. And I feel like that's why I am I identify as a creative because I had a big imagination and I didn't have anybody that stopped it. Wow. How what's your like deepest fear? Failure is coming to mind, but failure isn't even really a fear anymore. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like with every with every mistake, with everything that that doesn't go right, you learn from it. Mm. Nothing is ever like something that you just like feel like oh I completely failed no you never fail because you just learn not to do that again or learn how to do (laughs) things differently Mm -hmm. but I think my fear now is not setting up my child for success before I leave this earth what does that look like so I want to make sure that I leave him land Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I leave him like financially I don't even want to say financially stable because our idea of financial stability right now is going to be completely different in years to come. So I want to make sure that he is financially set. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that he understands his purpose so he's not forced to work at a job where he's unfulfilled or where he's unhappy I just want to make sure that I not only like leave material things to make sure his life is good, but I instill with him morals and values that he's able to navigate the world with successfully. And mm-hmm. so, you know, as a parent, that's my fear. I don't want to get snatched up <laughs> out of the world before I can teach him all that there is to teach. Mm-hmm. So. So it seems like you want to leave him with tools for greatness. You want to leave him with assets and not liabilities. Yes. Was there a mentor that you looked up to in order to like get to where you are to today? Or did was there a lack of mentorship that caused you to create like more programming for your students? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I don't, I didn't really have any mentors growing up, mm-hmm. but my mother helped me out a lot um i don't really like to look at parents as mentors i said the same thing yeah because they're not they're your parents they're they're supposed to do that that's their job (laughs) you didn't ask to be here (laughs) they brought you here but i believe my mom gives me a lot of good advice i believe that my dad gives me the opposite advice that my mom doesn't give like, my mom is going to have with sugarcoat stuff, but my mm-hmm. dad isn't. He's going to tell me stuff that'll probably hurt my feelings, but I need to hear it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I didn't. Growing up as a child, teenager, I didn't really have any mentors. I had dance teachers that were great, but they were my dance teachers. Nobody yeah. really taught me how to navigate in this world that I'm in today. Mm-hmm. Nobody taught me how to be an entrepreneur. I didn't go to any business classes. It's just something that I learned through error and, and mistake and mm-hmm. then, you know, fixing it. <laughs> taking mm-hmm. it, taking from your mistakes and learning from it. Um, I've joined support groups. I've joined courses that have helped navigate, you know, where I'm supposed to be. But I remember, like, in my early days of business, just feeling lost. Like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Nobody mm-hmm. taught me how to do this. Even, like, when we first formed, I was like, LLC or nonprofit? Like, what? which am I supposed to 
to choose from. But mm-hmm. I did have a few like dance educators that were like, okay, you should do nonprofit mm-hmm. because your mission sounds like it'll, you know, do well as a nonprofit. There were some people, but not many. And so I want to be able to be that person that I needed. I want to be able to give the advice and not just be able to like say, I did this, I did that, but to be able to explain how I did this or why I did this. And this is how you do this, or this is how you get here. There's not a lot of people doing what you're doing. Mm, No. (laughs) <laughs> no. So we end every episode with what does it mean to have a voice in this generation? <laughs> what does it mean to have a voice in this generation? I believe that means to be able to have an input and have a say in change. Um, I believe that this generation wants change. This generation doesn't want to just follow the norm or just follow what was done before or what is being told, but they want to have their input. They want to leave a legacy. And so having a voice is doing just that and doing what we did here today. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us. Is there any last words that you would like to add or any questions that you have? Um, my question for you, Imani. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, why, why, why the voice of the generation? (laughs) Okay, so I created voice of the generation in my dorm room. I felt like soup coming out of high school. I felt like I was on top of the world. Like people were paying attention. I felt seen. I felt valued. But going into college, I felt like I was invisible. Like what I had to say didn't matter. And then I was talking to my roommate and I realized like there's other people out there who are so powerful, but won't say what they have to say because they think nobody's going to listen. And I just figured, you know what? I want a platform that we can tell stories that are truth, um, but also hold value. Like everybody in this world, like you said, was placed on here to do something spectacular. Mm -hmm. But if nobody ever amplifies your voice or makes your story feel special, then you might never tell that story. I was talking to somebody the other day and I'm reading this book right now and it talks and Miles Monroe has a quote in it that says that um, the wealthiest place on earth is the graveyard because it's uh, there's untold stories, unwritten music. um, Everything that hasn't been done or produced on earth is there. And I don't want to be that person who Mm -hmm. leaves my untold story um, in the graveyard because or that could have helped somebody because I chose not to act. So that's why I created this. This is dope. (laughs) It's so dope. And I'm honored to be here today. (laughs) I was honored to have you. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us. You guys can catch a new episode every Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesday is audio and Thursday is visual. And I will see you guys next week.
local and the state is what's really making those decisions. So that's one thing I would say. I would say that, you know, being a black youth, we always yeah. rest at the intersection of both mm-hmm. violence and economic uh, disparity. Yes. And that sometimes is so exhausting. And I know that, and I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but when you're in leadership positions, it, it we really need you guys to start speaking up about the issues that really right. matter to our um to our generation, to our communities, right? And we got to go back to that idea of collectivism versus individualism, right? It's not about what you thought you needed, but rather what everybody needs. Um, And I think that gun violence has impacted all of us, right? We've watched friends, family members, um, members of our community, schools, yeah, really. Like last year, happened to help people that are laid on a Black Lives Matter Boulevard, like, it's, it's it's very hard, and I understand that it's it's real. Mm-hmm. But we have to continue to move forward. We have to continue to figure out our, how we're going to fix this. How we're going to address this. Yes. So, what do you? How do you think that we should move forward? Like I said, we have to be in those rooms. We have to be in those city council meetings. We have to be in those state legislative meetings because DC is DC at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like I just said. Policy and the local level is what really is changing these communities. And then, not to mention, once you're involved in that, also talking to your peers. Prime example, people at Morgan State. I I, I know not not saying you guys, right? But if we were to know who one of those people were, you need to come forward and say, yeah. Like it's no like, oh, you're being a snitch. Nah, no, like, we're literally in a state of emergency, yeah. and if you do not speak up. <laughs> Like, you're going to call somebody their life. Accountability. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had friends at, like, at, at different functions and parties, but, like, we we just have to, to narrow it down and break it down, you guys. We have to be in those legislative rooms at the local level and the state level. We have to continue to educate ourselves and understand that, like, listen, we have to talk to each other and hold each other accountable. Like, yo, like, if your friends are acting a little crazy, talk to them. Right. Be like, yo, like chill Mm -hmm. because i know it's a lot of us that live in these environments and we kind of like it's just like dang it's the norm when it really shouldn't be the norm Mm. so please like it's it's, i guess it's easier said than done right but we're in a great position right now and it's gonna it's gonna take a collective effort it's not gonna be an overnight journey it's not gonna be done in two days it's not gonna be done in a week or even a month Mm -hmm. but as long as we're educating ourselves as long as we're trying to be in those rooms as long as we're trying to hold each other accountable and trying to do do the right thing that's all we can do because right. you can't you can't save the world unfortunately but what you can do is impact the person in front of you the in person next to you yeah i feel like we need to do a, another episode on this um yeah that's a, that's a we whole, we oh we gotta oh because because we running out of time but i feel like oh i feel it in my spirit we got something more to say so we always end the podcast. I actually hate calling this a podcast because I feel like one day it's going to be bigger than this. Oh, so, no, no. Now, it will be bigger than this. So the show, um, we always end the show with talking about what it means to have a voice in this generation. So can you share what it means to have a voice in this generation? Let me tell you something. Your voice is powerful. No matter what anybody tells you, your voice matters. Speak up and advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. Advocate for others. If you see something that's wrong, mm-hmm. speak up. 
you can't you can't be quiet and hold it in. I know everybody's everybody's a little different, mm-hmm. but for me personally, for my voice, I'm gonna always speak up for what's right. I'm gonna always speak up from a genuine heart. Yeah. At the end of the day, you have to be able to use what God gave you. Mm-hmm. God gave us all different talents and different skills. Use those. Mm-hmm. Use your voice. Your voice is powerful. Your voice is powerful. Your voice is powerful, and you matter. Yeah. Don't ever forget that. Well, thank you for joining us today. I feel like this conversation was, oh my God, it was super powerful. We got to run this back. (laughs) Well, you guys, if you want more episodes like this, we really need you to rate this podcast. Um, Share this with a friend. Yes. (laughs) Leave a comment. Let us know how you enjoyed the episode, who you want us to bring back on. Um, And thank you again for tuning into Voice of the Generation. Be sure to follow us on all social media handles at voiceofgeneration.pod. And we will see y'all next week, Tuesday at 8 a.m.